Hello and welcome to another episode of the It's a Crime O'Clock Summer podcast. This is episode 10. This will be my first two-part episode, and today and next week, I'll be talking about the murder of Garrett Phillips. This first part will talk about the murder, the police investigation, and the unfair treatment of the police's prime suspect. My sources for today's episode were the HBO documentary Who Killed Garrett Phillips, Oxygen.com, Wikipedia, and NBCNews.com. Potsdam, New York is a small town in upstate New York. It is about six hours away from New York City. The current population is about 9,428. Thank you very much, Your Honor, and uh, good afternoon to you. The narrative of this case up to this point has been very, very simple. A group of uh, bungling, incompetent cops from a small town in upstate New York on a razor-thin amount of evidence brought a case against a man perhaps insidiously motivated by the color of his skin. Great TV, great theater, but ultimately it's not about tunnel vision, rush to judgment, the defendant's race. It's about 30 minutes in Potsdam. 4.53 p.m. to 5.23 p.m. on Monday, October the 24th, 2000. First, we are going to get into the timeline of what happened on October 24, 2011. At 5.08 p.m., Marissa Vogel, the neighbor of the Phillips family, called 911. Before Marissa called the police, she and her husband were settling in to watch their favorite show, Dexter, when suddenly they heard noises. It didn't alarm them until they heard a child saying no or help. Marissa went over to the neighbors, but she heard the lock click and footsteps inside the apartment. The documentary on-screen text said Officer Wentworth arrives at the apartment at 5.14 p.m. and listens at the door. He doesn't hear any noise. He then knocks and hears what sounds like someone starting to walk around. At 5.21 p.m., police dispatch call Rick Dumas, the landlord of the apartment complex. Hello? Hi, is this Rick Dumas? Yes, it is. So I sent a patrol up thinking that they might open the door for a patrol, but he's not getting an answer. Well, I'm in Potsdam. Um, I got to drop uh, my niece and nephew off at basketball and my wife, and I can run over there. I've got a key. Okay. Officer Wentworth waited at the door. At 5.24 p.m., he tried knocking again and called out to open up the door. He heard noises from the apartment. At 5.33 p.m., Rick Dumas arrives and opened up the door. The police entered and found Garrett Phillips, who they described as looking around 10 years old, was found. The police were trying to get a hold of Tandy Cyrus, Garrett's mom, who they recognized as being the former girlfriend of John Jones, who worked in the police department. Father is Tandy Cyrus. Um, we don't know the child's name at this time. She's not here right then we'll locate. Okay. Isn't she John Jones' ex-girlfriend? Yeah. wonder if he's got a number. 
Garrett Phillips was pronounced dead at 7.18 p.m. at the hospital. His cause of death was strangulation and suffocation. They didn't talk about this on the documentary, but I also covered Garrett's case on my blog. I also mentioned that Garrett had uh, scratches on his face, a black eye, and deep rug burns. DNA was also collected from under Garrett's fingernails. When the police were on the investigation, an officer noticed that the blinds in one of the bedrooms was bent outward. They also observed a tile on the ledge below the window that had a crack in it. Garrett's family had concerns about oral Nick Hillary, Tandy's ex-boyfriend, right away. It's a tight-knit community. I think he had stopped at the family's house. They had their suspicions. They said the only person, they can't think of anyone who would want to hurt Garrett, number one. There were some things about Tandy's ex-boyfriend, Nick Hillary, that really concerned them. And so they shared those concerns with him. 100% Hillary is responsible for Garrett's death. The day I die, I will go to my grave. 100% Hillary was the killer. Garrett didn't like him. Those two butted heads. I know Garrett had difficulties in school, but there's more to, to life during the week than go to school, come home, be in your room, no TV, no outside play. Bull crap. That was Brian Phillips, Garrett's uncle, who says he still believes that Nick Hillary killed Garrett. According to Garrett's mom, Tandy, and Uncle Brian, Garrett didn't like Nick, and it was one of the main reasons why Nick and Tandy split. So now I'm going to get into the investigation. Twelve hours after Garrett died, the police are already looking into Nick. There were a few other theories that was that was brought up, as to why Garrett died at the hands of other kids or that he was playing a game called Knockout where someone chokes themselves. There have been theories that he had been horsing around with some friends, that some friends were at the house with him and that this resulted in his death. There had been another theory that stepped beyond that said that this might have been some kind of, where they're playing a game called uh, Knockout, I think it was, and this could have ended up with, you know, an accidental death. Uh, Autoerotic asphyxiation, someone had said at one point, because they said there had, and if you look at the list of evidence that was found, there was a bra on the floor. And what ended up happening when we learned is that all of those things were being pushed aside and that they did have one person that they were interested in and they thought that it was the most feasible uh, suspect and or person of interest in Nick Hillary. So we'll on October 25th at around 8.30 a.m., Tandy Cyrus was first questioned by the police. She was accompanied by John Jones. Why was he allowed in the interrogation room is something I don't understand, but he seemed to be a controlling person, and the police obviously had some sort of alliance to him. We're trying, we're looking at every angle we possibly can. So we have to see police up there, what they're last night, what they're again. They're uh, trying to special crimes and stuff there. Again, what they can't grab it. Um, again, they're trying to get some subpoenas, we get cell phones. I don't have kind of conversations with cell phones and things like that. But we're all just using cell phones. 
basically just officially notified her that this this was looking like a homicide and just gathered as much information that we could. I know that I, I sat and took notes while she answered all the questions we could think of. The last contact you had with Yara was the website. Was it? Is that what he called you or you called him? Okay. He was at that store all the time? And what was the, the conversation? They asked if Tandy would come down, and I said, do you want me to come with you? And absolutely. I asked them if they had any problems with me coming down. Absolutely not. So I, I went down with Tandy that morning. She wanted that, and it was accommodated. To do it over again probably would have done differently, but. It's a little hard to hear, but Tandy said she last spoke to Garrett at 4.30 p.m. on the 24th. He had gone straight home after basketball. Later in the night after the murder, I remember being back at the station and uh, my chief had a titular poked his head in my office and said, we need to get a hold of um, Tandy's ex-boyfriend, uh, Nick Hillary. Hello? Oh, is Mr. Hillary there, please? Mr. Hillary speaking. Mark Murray, the Pontiac Police Department. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. Are you? Not too bad. Uh, we had an incident uh, occur this evening and we'd like to speak with you in, in regards to it. Um, there was an incident with Tandy's uh, 10-year-old son, and I didn't know if you'd be able to come to our station and speak to us really quick about it. Oh, sure. So I apologize because the interrogation is really hard to hear, but as you heard, that was Lieutenant Mark Murray calling Nick Hillary at 9.42 p.m. on October 24th. So, oral Nick Hillary was Tandy's ex-boyfriend, but before that, he was a star soccer player at St. Lawrence University and soccer coach at Clarkson University in Potsdam. Nick and Tandy met in 2010 when Tandy was bartending. You know, I, I met Tandy in uh, 2010. I would normally hang out with the, uh, the coaches from the college you know, after work or after a game, I'll sit at the bar or she was a bartender. She would admire what I was doing and she would ask questions and, you know, she played soccer so she understood, you know, the language and what I was doing. So that, that's how my meeting of Tandy all came about was during that time period. Nick and Tandy did move in together for a while with Garrett and Aaron, Tandy's sons and Nick's kids. Nick said that they did have disagreements, but he thought he and the boys got along fine. Tandy said the opposite. She said Nick knew that the boys didn't like him. After Nick and Tandy broke up, John Jones helped Tandy get the Market Street apartment. He joked that he didn't do it so she could be close to him, but honestly, this dude is a piece of shit, so I wouldn't put it past him. Back to the night Garrett died. Lieutenant Mark Murray, who, by the way, I don't like either, went to meet with Nick after Nick asked if they could meet at his house. Lieutenant Murray said the conversation lasted about 10 minutes and they left. John Jones also thought that Nick did it. Shocker. Out my mind, he did it. And I don't base that strictly on wanting to say it's him. I base it on the knowledge of many of the guys I work with in law enforcement that investigated this and put 20 hours plus a day into trying to find the right person to put to this and uh each one of them told me nick's the guy 
I also think he was upset that Nick dated Tandy. Nick and John even had a confrontation because Tandy had started talking to Nick while she was still with John. In fact, John told Stacia, Nick's ex, that the two were talking. So the police, of course, wanted to talk to Nick again, but first they wanted him to do they wanted to do surveillance. On Tuesday night, the police went to Nick's soccer game and they filmed him. The command post knew that there was a soccer game going on that night. Went to the game just to observe. My observations of him directly, he did have some sort of injury or something. He was favoring his his uh, right leg. Officer Murray had put in his sworn affidavit to get a search warrant, right? So it's sworn to that he observed Mr. Hillary with a significant limp. The day after the, the day murder. after the murder while he was coaching a soccer game. And I guess to him, this shows that he could have jumped out the window and injured himself. Years later, we discovered the video. Hillary is walking very well, and he beats a bunch of 19- and 20-year-olds to the locker room at halftime. So why would a police officer in the middle of a murder case, only the day after, make up a story about a significant limp when he knows that there's none? There's points in time where he looks like he's walking perfectly fine, and there's points in time where you, you wonder if, if he's trying to conceal or, or he's got a sore leg. The two people you heard in the video were Nick's attorneys and friends, Lisa Marcosia and Manny Tafari. Personally, I think the video is grainy and skippy and you can't tell if the video in the video if it's a limp or not. On Wednesday morning, two days after the murder, Nick is called into the police station at 8.38 a.m. But not having anything to worry about, I want to be as helpful as possible because... This is a young man that has lived with me, lived around my kids, has definitely has a part of my history. He's inside there. So obviously, you know, whatever I could do to help you guys resolve this situation, I'm on board. time Nick's friend and assistant coach Ian Fairley was being interviewed in another room. Ian said Nick was at his house at 5:21 p.m. And the police said they were at the apartment at 5:24 and he's hearing footsteps. You know, he hears people in the apartment. So that's right around the time that Nick's at my place. I mean, I don't question that. That's a pretty good to have him have a phone call and the time is good. 
Um, but you know, what is Mark Wentworth hearing? I mean, this, this poor guy is tormented over this for the last five years and the current day saying, you know, did I hear the blinds in the wind? Did I hear, you know, is he hearing Sean Hall pace back and forth up this, this rickety hallway while, you know, we're waiting for a key holder to get there? Nick originally thought he was being questioned about a list of students at Garrett's school, but it wasn't about that. He tried to leave and the police literally stood by the door and wouldn't let him leave. Gary Snell of the New York State Police said, quote, you're free to leave here whenever you want at this point, Nick. Nick said he wanted to help as much as he could and needed to get to work. The police wouldn't let Nick leave, so he called his attorney, but they took his phone and said they had a warrant to search him and his clothes. While they were searching him, they found an old injury on his ankle that Nick said he had gotten from moving furniture a week prior. Lieutenant Murray asked him to elaborate, and he said he hadn't, he didn't remember. Nick was photographed nude and finally left the police station in a hazmat suit after eight hours. Never arrested me, and then told me I could leave in a hazmat suit. Eight hours later. I mean, I literally came out of the police station as if my mom had just given birth to me as an adult. Mentally, to let him know when he walked in that you're done. Like, your life will never be the same. We're going to get you. This is what we can do to you. And there's nothing that you can do about it. Once he got here, I mean, his knowledge base for being in this field kicked in and... That's pretty much when I realized what their plan is, which was to, to ostracize me within the community quickly, blame me for what had taken place without knowing the facts, and then bury me. This is going to be the end of today's episode. Nick is completely shunned from the community. People think he's a murderer, and this is the start of a long journey for Nick and his team to clear his name. In next week's episode, I will discuss Nick's arrest, trial, and verdict. What do you think happened to Garrett? What do you think about the treatment of Nick Hillary? Do you think he's guilty or innocent? As always, I will link my sources in the show notes. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope you will tune in next Monday for part two. My book recommendation for this week is Possession by Katie Lowe. Summary, 10 years ago, Hannah's husband was brutally murdered in their home and she conveniently doesn't remember a thing about that night. But the police charged someone else, a stranger, and put him away for life. And Hannah packed up her six-year-old daughter and left London behind. But now her hard-won countryside peace is threatened. Conviction, a viral true crime podcast known for getting cases reopened and old verdicts overturned, has turned its attention to Hannah's husband's murder for its new season. They say police framed the man who was found guilty and that Hannah has more suspicious secrets than her, just her memory loss. A history of volatility, citations at the clinic where she worked, Dependencies on alcohol and pills and a familial side grandmother locked away in a gothic insane asylum until her death. As, Hannah's, as Hannah loses the trust of everyone she loves, the only person she feels she can confide in is former colleague Darcy, who's come back into her life but who may have motives of her own. But Hannah can't tell even Darcy her deepest secret, that she's still tormented by the memory of her husband and the crater he carved through her life. So I definitely recommend this book because I think it kind of fit with today's case. Um, but again, check out NetGalley. It's a site that you can request books to read that haven't even come out yet. So yes, I request books and I get them sent to my Kindle. So it's really cool. 
So please subscribe to my blog. Follow me on Instagram at it's crime o'clock somewhere blog pod. And you can even email me at it's crime o'clock somewhere blog pod at gmail.com. Let me know what cases you want me to cover or if you want to share anything with me. I'll see you again next week for part two of the Garrett Phillips case. And remember, it's crime o'clock somewhere.